Hi there. I'm Sue Alvis from the blog Stories of an Unschooling Family. Welcome to my podcast. This is episode 82. And today I'd like to talk about friends. Is it okay for us to be friends with our kids? What makes a good friend? And how can we be better friends with our spouses or those whom we have a close relationship with? To start with, I'd like to go back to last week's podcast, episode 81. Now, last week I was telling you how I was trying to strengthen the relationship between myself and my husband, Andy. We realized that we hadn't been spending a lot of time together doing things that we enjoy. We haven't had a lot to talk about together recently. Our lives have been running parallel to one another. And so we decided that we needed to do some work. Needed to find a few things that we could do together, get back into contact with each other, find things of importance to talk about. I told you one of the things that we've been doing together. We have been listening to a podcast individually. We've been choosing one and then going to a cafe on Saturdays to have coffee, to relax and discuss the podcast together. We've been choosing the podcasts from Michael Hyatt's website. His podcast is called This Is Your Life. There are a wide variety of topics in his podcast list. And we've just been dipping into them, choosing ones that we think might be of relevance to us and ones that are just interesting. And so last week I was telling you how we listened to a podcast about finding balance between our family lives and our work lives. Since then we've listened to a second podcast on that topic. But I want to tell you about another podcast we listened to. It's called How to Become Your Spouse's Best Friend. Because I guess this is what we're working on. My husband Andy has always been my best friend. But of course, relationships need work and they can always be deepened. So when we saw that podcast in Michael Hyatt's list, we thought it might be a good one for us both to listen to. There is always something that we can do better. Now Michael Hyatt made three main points. First of all, he said to think about the kind of best friend you would like your spouse to be. Michael Hyatt was talking in terms of spouses, but he did say that these principles can be put into action with any relationship between us and those that we love the most. It doesn't have to be a husband-wife relationship. Just a relationship that's very important to us, one where we regard the other person as our best friend. So Michael Hyatt said, think of what you would want in a best friend. List all the qualities down. Imagine you're writing an ad for a best friend. What would you put on that list? Now here are some of the things he put on his list. He said that his best friend would make him feel good about himself. They would affirm his better qualities, especially when he's feeling insecure. His best friend would call out the best in him and hold him accountable to the best version of himself. The best friend would listen without judging. She wouldn't try to fix him. His best friend would give him the benefit of the doubt. 
she would be a person who didn't overly react to everything he does, would give him permission to have a bad day or to be grumpy occasionally. Of course, best friend always remembers your birthday, favorite foods, his taste in music and art. His best friend knows his story and loves him regardless. His best friend wants to spend time with him. And of course, she would always speak well of him, especially when he wasn't around. She would serve him joyfully, without complaining. She would always speak the truth to him, never make him feel small, never shame him. His best friend would also get very excited about what he's excited about. She would want to celebrate all his triumphs, all his wins. I think that I would love a best friend just like that. All those qualities would also be on my list. And I'm lucky because I do have a best friend like that. But of course we can forget this sometimes. We can forget what we do have. And we can also forget to be that best friend for our spouse. And this brings us on to Michael Hyatt's second point. Now that we have a list of all the qualities that we would like in a spouse or a, somebody who's very close to us, we now have to turn around and be that person for them. We have to be the best friend that we would like them to be for us. And this, is, of course, is the hard bit. And if we do try to be that best friend to our spouse, and we don't get the reaction that we're hoping for straight away. We've got to keep on trying, persisting, being that good friend. Because sometimes things take time. We have to sow the seeds and keep on working at it. This is Michael Hyatt's third point. We can't make anybody be the people that we want them to be. Hey, I want you to be my best friend. This is what you've got to do to be that friend for me. Of course, we can talk about what we would like in a best friend to our spouses. We could say, what would you like? How could I be a better friend for you? And they might ask the same question of us. But we can't force people to be the people that we want them to be. I think this fits in very well with unschooling. Everybody is free to choose. We have to be a good example first. We hope that the way we treat others will be reciprocated to us. But yes, it might take time. And I think that's the thing that we sometimes forget, that we give up too quickly. We say, oh look, I tried really hard and it didn't work. He doesn't deserve me to be his best friend. Look, he could have turned around and met me halfway and he never did. And so I'm not going to bother anymore. It doesn't work. I think we do this all the time with our kids. We give them so long to respond to us, and then we go back to our previous relationship. We just decide, nope, whoever said we have to be a good example was wrong. It might have worked for them. They must have different children than us, because it doesn't work in our family. I really do think that the way we treat others will affect the way that they treat us. But what if it didn't? What if we put in lots and lots of effort over a long period of time. Should we just throw our hands in the air and say, hey, I can't be bothered anymore. I tried, and I'm not going to try it anymore. Well, I think that we have to be a good example 
whether we like it or not, whether it has results or not, we have to become the best people that we can. We have to become the people that we are meant to be. And not just for our children's sakes or for our spouse's sake or for anybody who is close to us for their sakes. No, we have to do it for ourselves. I was thinking the other day about how unschooling is just as much about the parent as it is about the child. We might decide to unschool because we think it is the best way to bring up our children or to educate them, to help them become the best people that they can be. But the longer we unschool, the more I realize that it is me who is changing. Unschooling is having a big effect on who I am. And it has to be that way if I want unschooling to be effective for our children, for our family. I once wrote a blog post about getting kids to do the chores, and I finished with the words, It all starts with me. And I think that's very true for all aspects of unschooling. Everything starts with us. We have to take individual responsibility. Everything else flows from there. It's a far cry from the image of unschooling that some people have. That is, the parents step back and just leave their kids to it. That unschooling is irresponsible. That kids aren't parented properly. No, unschooling is a lot more difficult than that. And I think in some ways it is the most difficult of ways to bring up children and to educate them because we have to give so much. Yes, of course, other forms of homeschooling do involve a lot of hard work. Parents have to plan. Parents have to make sure their kids do the work. They have to mark the work, whatever it is they're doing. But this sort of work is very personal. So we have to work on our relationships with those that we love, such as our spouses. But what about our kids? I just said that we have to be the best people that we can be so that they have a good example and so that they become good people, so that our relationships are strengthened. But can we be friends with our children? That's the next question I want to explore. Do we have to do exactly the same things to strengthen our relationships with our kids that we do with people such as our spouses or people from outside the family, the ones that we call our friends? Or is it different for children? Now some people, a lot of people, say that we have to parent our children. We cannot be friends with them. There are two distinct roles. If we're one, we can't be the other. Now, I don't agree with this at all. You've probably guessed that by now. Now, there is a meme that goes around Facebook very, very regularly, and I really hate it. It actually makes me feel so angry, so uncomfortable, and so, so very sad. You might have heard it as well. I'm going to read it out. It goes like this. I am not your friend. I am your parent. I will stalk you, I will flip out on you, lecture, drive you insane, be your worst nightmare, and hunt you down when needed, because 
I love you. And every single time I see that in my Facebook feed, it is accompanied by thousands of likes. The majority of parents love those words. I guess they all live by them. They think that loving our kids justifies hunting them down, stalking them, flipping them out, lecturing them. Maybe they wouldn't want to do all those things, but they do it because they love their children. It's tough being a parent. Sometimes you have to do things which you don't like doing just so that you keep your kids safe so that they turn out to be the people that they are meant to be. I guess that's the idea behind it. But that's not the way that I parent my children. I could never do what those words say. It feels totally wrong to me. I don't want to drive my kids insane. I certainly have no desire to be their worst nightmare. So does that mean I don't love them? Well, this is the way I see it. I think that we can be friends with our children. If we think about the way that we treat our friends, I want to treat my children in exactly the same way. I want to be polite to them, respect them. I want to listen to them, offer support and encouragement, enjoy their company. I don't want to step in all the time and tell them what to do, to criticize them. I don't do these things with my friends. I certainly wouldn't have many friends if I flipped out on them, if I criticized them, told them what to do, tried to change them, if I was rude to them, if I didn't think about the words that were coming out of my mouth when I was talking to them. Yes, I wouldn't have many friends at all. And what gives me the right to treat my children that way? Yes, in some ways, our kids are in a position where they depend upon us. And they can't fight back. And if we don't treat them well, what can they do about it? I guess that they could harbor up some resentments towards us, live unhappy lives, and then as soon as possible, they will want to get away from us. And that's not the sort of relationship I want with my children. Some time ago, I wrote a blog post response to that meme, the one about making my children's lives nightmares. And in that blog post, I wrote this, I won't stalk my children. I will trust them. I won't flip out on them. I will talk to them. I won't lecture them. I will listen. I won't drive them insane. I will be there for them, guiding and helping and supporting them. I won't be their worst nightmare. I will provide a safe haven, a place of unconditional love. I hope there will never be a need to hunt them down, because I will try not to drive them away. I will do all this because I love them. Yes, I could make my children do what I want. I could control them with rules and threats and punishments. I could flip out, lecture and hurt them, hunt them down. But it seems to me that my children will be more inclined to listen to me and do what is right if we have a good relationship with mutual trust and respect. I guess a lot of people might disagree with me, especially all those people who liked the original meme on Facebook. So yes, I think a parent can be friends with their children. Not only that, 
I think it's essential that a parent is friends with their children. And maybe some parents are willing to be friends when things are going well, when their children are doing exactly what the parent wants them to do. But then when the child objects, maybe rebels a bit, does something that the parent isn't happy about, maybe the child makes a mistake. And then all of a sudden, the parent changes her or his mind. It's time I was a parent and not a friend. And it's sort of like a seesaw. Parents swing from one to the other. There's a nice friend one day. They might be the harsh parent the next. Of course, they do it because they think they ought to do it. It's time to tighten up, get things back on track again. They've been too lax. Their kids are getting out of control. I think of the effect that has upon children. Do they always try to keep their parents happy so that their parents are in a good mood with them? Are they afraid of their parent seesawing from the good friend to the bad parent? I can't say that I see that there's any trust there between parent and child. But if we are parents and friends to our children, what can we do when our children do get into trouble, do something that's not right. Because, of course, there's a difference between children doing things that we're not happy with and doing things which are wrong. Sometimes we can have the wrong ideas. We can hold too tightly to what we believe our children should be doing. And sometimes our children's choices, there's nothing wrong with them. They're just different from ours. And when we are thinking about that, do we try and influence our children so that they do what we would like them to do rather than go their way and do what they would like to do by the way that we treat them, about the way that you know we could be happy with them if they choose our way of doing things, but then we're really grumpy and we might withdraw our love if our children choose to go along a different pathway, make different choices, which may be okay choices. They're just not the ones that we want them to make. But yes, back to the question. Our children have made a mistake. Something may be that isn't right. They've got themselves into trouble. Is it time to tighten up, stop being that friend, be a strict parent, get back control? Well, thinking about whenever I've been in trouble, the first thing I've needed is a friend someone who will listen to me, someone who will support and encourage me without making me feel small, without shaming me over my mistake, someone that I can go to and tell them my troubles without fear of them criticizing me or judging me. And I think our children need someone like this as well. They need a friend. This is the time they need a friend the most. And are we going to be that friend to them? Because if we're not prepared to be friends with our children, they're going to go looking for that sort of friend somewhere else. Someone outside the family will become that friend for them. And they'll probably end up talking about us, and they might even think that we're the problem. So how can we be good friends with our children? I guess we've gone through a lot of the things already. Be prepared to listen to them, and really listen to them. Not just listen for the moment and then hear something we don't like and then jump in 
and start lecturing them, telling them what we think, telling them that what they're telling us is ridiculous. No, really listening, really accepting what they're saying. Not judging or criticizing them, being supportive and encouraging, being polite and respectful, accepting that they're different people from us, accepting them for who they are, loving them unconditionally, forgiving them their mistakes. Also, I think we need to enjoy their company. We can strengthen our family relationships by spending time together. Perhaps we should be interested in what our kids like doing, even if we don't like doing it ourselves. For example, a lot of parents can't understand the fascination kids have with computer games. Perhaps we should take an interest, sit down next to them, ask them if they will teach us how to play, take the time to put down our own work or our own recreation when we're invited to join them for things like board games. I'm not very good at this one. I'm not really a board game person. And quite often when somebody says, anybody like to play this board game with me, I will sort of murmur, mumble a bit, maybe in a minute, maybe I'm busy, that type of thing, and never actually get up and play the game. I think this is a real fault of mine, because when I do join my children playing games, we have tremendous fun. They really enjoy it. We did some of this on holiday when we went to Swan Lake, like I was telling you last week. Perhaps we can invite them to share our interests and take the time to share our skills with them. Because sometimes I think we get impatient. We're the expert at something and our kids come along and they say, will you teach me how to do that? And we want to continue doing it at our own pace and we don't want to slow down and spend the time teaching them, sharing what we're doing. My husband Andy is really good at sharing skills. He has taught all of our children to cook, for example. He loves cooking, getting in the kitchen, looking through cookbooks. At the weekends, he always cooks our meals for us. In the week time, he's too busy. He works too long hours. He doesn't actually get home till until dinner time or later. But at the weekends, he likes to experiment. And our kids love to be what he calls the sous chef. They all have a really great time in the kitchen. You might have guessed that my husband has a silly sense of humor. That's another good trait to have when you want to get on well with your children. Being able to laugh and be silly does wonders for having fun and being cl getting close together. When the kids are in the kitchen with Andy, they usually pretend to be TV chefs. People like Jamie Oliver... They say all the right words and do all the right actions and laugh, talk about all sorts of things while they're working together. And he also shares sport with the kids. Even the girls, he'll sit down and watch car racing with them. He shared the rules of rugby with them. They usually get together in front of the TV for all the big games, Australia against New Zealand. Unfortunately, Australia hardly ever win, but... They commiserate together. It's always a good evening. Of course, my husband has things he shares with the boys. He's a car fanatic, the same as my son, Callum. They've spent hours and hours under the hoods of cars, working out what's wrong with them, fixing them. As I said, they watch the motor racing together. I share a few things with my kids as well. Photography with Sophie. 
Writing with all the girls, blogging with a couple of them, video making with Sophie. I've got other skills like I know how to sew and knit. I've taught the girls those skills. There's lots we can share with our kids. Maybe making one-on-one -on -one time with them, doing things with them. If they like going bushwalking, inviting them to go on a walk, on a picnic with us. My children also enjoy going out for morning tea or afternoon tea to a cafe. Somewhere where we can talk, chat about life, where I can catch up with them, what's been going on with their lives, where are they, do they need any help? Not so much me talking, but me listening. I am sure that you can think of things that you share with your kids, things that they could share with you. Whenever we spend time together with somebody, we always learn something and we always grow closer together. And as I said, it's good if we do it with a sense of fun. We have a friend who says that growing older may be mandatory, but growing up is optional. And maybe those are good words to live by, not to lose our sense of fun and adventure, to be daring and adventurous parents as I was talking about last week. I think sometimes that my family is just too silly. They don't really care what other people think of them. They like to do silly things in public where I might like to do them in private. They'll talk very loudly about all kinds of silly things, regardless of who's sitting around them. Instead of walking along a path, they'll kangaroo hop along a path. That's because telling you how my daughter Imogen said that she is never going to grow up if she has to stop doing all the fun, childish things like sandcastle building, all the things that she enjoys. And she said to me, I don't see why I have to grow up, because Dad hasn't grown up yet. And that's very true. Even though my husband, of course, is a mature and capable adult, he hasn't lost his childish sense of fun. And that way, he hasn't grown up at all. I started this podcast with some ideas about how we can improve our relationships with our spouses, how we can become our spouse's best friend. And I've shared some ideas about how we can be best friends with our children as well. But what if our children don't want to be our best friends? What if our relationships have drifted a bit? They might not be interested in anything that we want to do with them. Every time we talk to them, they might react in a very unfriendly way. They might not want to talk with us or to be our best friends. They're just not interested. What do we do? You'll probably guess that I'm going to say that we have to keep on trying anyway. Also, you won't be surprised if I say that improving our relationships with our children has to start with us. I'm going to share just a few of the things that I've been working on. I have the most trouble with my tongue. Words just fall out of my mouth sometimes. I've had to work really, really hard not to say disrespectful and damaging things to my children. It has taken an awful long time to get some sort of control over the way that I do talk to my children. I think that I am a whole lot better than I used to be, but sometimes I do let myself down still. I've had to stop and think about the words before I've said them, the way I'm reacting to my children. In the first place, do I need to say anything? Am I just criticizing and judging? Should I keep my words to myself? And if I do need to say something, 
What words am I using? Am I talking like a friend? It takes a long, long time to build up a better habit of talking to people. Maybe some people just say, look, that's the way I am. I just say it as it is. But I don't really think that's good enough. I've heard people say, we just yell in our house at everybody. That's just the way it is. Everybody expects it. It's just what we do in our family. And I'm really quite horrified. I think that's not acceptable at all. It's really nothing to do with personality. It's all to do with being polite and respectful. Maybe we need to think about the way we talk to other people outside the family and do the same for our own children, our spouses as well. Now the other day, it was Sunday, we were going to Mass in the morning and we'd all dressed appropriately, or at least everybody thought they were dressed appropriately. Now one of my daughters was wearing a winter dress, but she was wearing bare legs at the same time. I guess the weather was sort of in between. Maybe she couldn't decide whether it was a winter day or a spring day. But I thought, in my opinion, that the dress would look a whole lot better with a pair of tights, a pair of winter tights. That was what it was designed for. Her bare legs didn't look right to me. Such a silly, silly thing to be concerned about. Before I knew it, I started to say something which didn't need to be said. Luckily for me, my daughter Imogen was standing right next to me, and she cut in on me. She was watching Charlotte's face, and Charlotte's smile had started to disappear. And Imogen stepped in, and she said, What Mum means to say is that your legs look very spring-like. And I took the opportunity to say, Oh yes, isn't the warmer weather good? It's nice not to have to wear tights today, isn't it? And then the situation was restored. But I think about how easy it would have been to go out the door with everybody feeling at odds with one another just because of a few careless words that I had said, which really didn't need to be said. What does it matter whether somebody wears tights with a dress or not? In the coming months, we're not going to be wearing tights again until autumn. Bare legs are acceptable. I just thought the tights would have looked better with this particular dress. Silly. Just goes to show, as I said, how easy it is to say the wrong thing. So on to something different. How did you get on with last week's podcast? Have you been trying to be daring and adventurous? Yes, I told two stories last week. Now, the first one, I will briefly just sum up. I was watching my girls swimming in choppy water while we were at the lake on holiday. And I was thinking that if they had been younger, I might have got afraid for them. I might have been tempted to ask them to come out of the water because I was scared that they were in some kind of danger. And when I thought about where fears come from, I decided that I was fearful because of my own experiences, because I was not a good swimmer as a child, because I'm still not a good swimmer. But my children are, and they weren't in any danger at all. They have the necessary skills. So what I was saying is that sometimes we hold our children back because of our own fears, fears that are groundless as far as our children are concerned. It's hard to let go of those fears. It's hard to recognize that they don't apply to our children, really, that we have no reason to fear. 
things that have happened to us in the past do have a strong hold on us. But I guess we have to keep on trying, recognize where those fears come from, and try not to impose them upon our children, hold our children back. And the other story I've already mentioned today, and that is the one about being a daring and adventurous parent. Are we willing to join in with activities, try new things, not worry about making mistakes or, or worrying about what other people might think of us when we try new things or when we're being silly, maybe? Yes, we should be daring and adventurous parents. And in the week, I thought of a way that I could combine these two stories. They actually have a connection. We were discussing these stories in our Not-So-Proper Unschoolers Facebook group. And as we were discussing, another thought came to me. If I was sitting on the shore of the lake, scared that my children were in danger in the choppy water, why didn't I get into the water with them? Surely I wouldn't have been so afraid if I was actually in the water and not sitting on the shore watching them from afar. I could have experienced the choppy water myself. I could have been right next to them if they needed any help. Best of all, I could have been enjoying the water with them. Just imagine how much my girls would have enjoyed having me in the water with them. Yes, sharing that wonderful experience. It was all very well for me to sit on the shore and capture it all with my camera. But the better thing to have done, if I was scared that they were in danger, which I wasn't because they're older, but I'm just talking in theory here, the better thing to have done would have been to put down my camera and to got into the water and to have had fun with them, to have been silly, adventurous and daring, to maybe to get over my own fear of the water. Well, I'm not really afraid of water, but my own uncomfortableness with it, because I'm really quite silly when it comes to the water. I tell myself I don't like getting wet. I prefer to sit nice and dry on the sand. Don't get my hair wet or anything. Don't get too sandy. Really silly things. Anyway, that's my two stories combined in one. I've just got a few rounding up bits of news to finish this episode with. The first one is very exciting as far as I'm concerned, because this morning when I first turned my computer on, I wondered if my book my children's novel, The Angels of Gumtree Road. I wondered if it would be on Amazon by now because I published it maybe five or so days ago and I had a message saying that it would take three to five days for my book to get up on Amazon. So being Monday morning, I thought, look, I'm going to go over to Amazon, have a look. And that's exactly what I did. And yes, there it was. My book is on Amazon. Anybody can go over there, have a look at it, and they can also buy a copy if they would like. So I want to tell you about that, just in case you would like to go and have a look at my children's novel. It's the second one in a series. The Angels of Abbey Creek is the first book. The Angels of Gumtree Road is the second book. The Angels are a family very, very much like the Elvis family. The last sentence in the description of the book says, this sequel to The Angels of Abbey Creek is the story of a Catholic family living on the edge of the wild Australian bush. So, The Angels of Gumtree Road 
is now available on Amazon, Lulu, and Kindle. And that's that. I've done it. I've written the book, edited it, we formatted it, we got it published in all the versions that we wanted to, and it's over and done. It, it took a long, long time to get from the first word to this point. And half of me is saying, I never want to write another book ever, ever again. Too much hard work. I couldn't go through that process all over again. But of course, the other half of me is saying, look, I really must finish the third book in the series. I want to continue the Angel Family story. I want to share the next installment with everybody. Maybe after a bit of a break, I'll get back to editing the first draft of the third volume, which is going to be called The Angels of Convict Way. So I'd like to invite you to go over to Facebook and to visit my page, Stories of an Unschooling Family. Maybe you'd like to join us in our Not-So-Proper Unschoolers Facebook group. If you would like to see all my recent photos, you could go over to Instagram. I post there fairly regularly. I post photos of our music video shoots, things that happen in our everyday lives. More recently, pictures of our holiday at Swan Lake. If you're on Instagram, let me know. I'd love to follow you. I posted another video in the week, so you might like to go over to YouTube, Sue Elvis, and I'm recording, as I said, this podcast on a Monday, and my daughter Imogen's next music video, which is Fight Song, will be published on Wednesday, two days' time, so I hope that you will go over there and watch it, see a little bit of a swan lake in the background. I'm sure she would appreciate any support that you could give her. I'll put together some show notes, maybe some podcast links to Michael Hyatt's podcasts, if you'd like to listen to those as well. Any other things that I can think about that I've mentioned in this episode. Of course, the show notes will be on my blog, Stories of an Unschooling Family. I'd like to thank you for listening to this episode. I'd also like to encourage you to go out there and be great friends with your kids. And also with anybody else that you have a close relationship with. And until next time, trust, respect, and love unconditionally. Mm-hmm.